Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We have already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence, so you will never work for someone else again. Successfully Unemployed, your place for freedom. It is time for the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, with every means possible. Now, in the show, we interview fantastic experts who show us how they, not just how they did it, but they will teach us every single step of the way to be successful and employed just like they are. They're going to give you all the tips, the tools, and everything that you need to be successfully unemployed because there are so many ways to be successfully unemployed and no longer work for somebody else in a J-O-B. Let's get in there. Let's start and learn today how to be successfully unemployed like our expert today. Let's do this. All right, everybody. I am super excited to have today's show, this Successfully Unemployed show. Today, we are talking with somebody who's fantastic at YouTubing and being a YouTuber. And what's fantastic about Successfully Unemployed is that we do everything possible to not have to work a job, a J-O-B, that just overbroke job. We're trying to get out of that. And I brought somebody that's fantastic at being a YouTuber. And his name is Dennis Trufin. Dennis, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, Dustin. I'm super excited to be here and share the story. Awesome. Now, I want to jump right into it. How do you make money on well, YouTube, but how do you make money on YouTube to provide for your family and not work a job? Yeah, I mean, the short and sweet answer is that I make money through YouTube ads and I make money through affiliates and sponsorships. And sponsorships. And what I'm looking at is you have a YouTube channel that you have a lot of influence. People go to you to learn about um, what, what it's, I know it's finance, but what do you think people mostly go to you to learn about? Yeah. So I actually have three core values that I provide for people. I help people learn how to make more money, save more money and invest their money. So that way they can build wealth for their future. And so, yeah, people do come to me for, you know, the idea of what is it that they can do in one of those three categories to help further their, you know, financial situation to be better in the future instead of where they are today. That's fantastic. Now, you're, you weren't always somebody that was online having a lot of influence. Now, talk, take us back to when you had a job and the process of realizing, you know, it's time to get out of this job and into YouTubing and doing this full time about the emotions and the feelings and everything that you went through. Yeah. So this is a very interesting story. So I actually started my whole like fun and entertainment for, you know, personal finance around 16 years old. So quite a ways back. We're, we're jumping a couple years here. Maybe be actually over a decade at this point. It's pretty crazy to think about. But uh, essentially, I started just the idea of learning about money a little bit. And then I got a regular job, just like every other teenager. Um, I remember the first time I got my paycheck, I spent it on stupid stuff. I bought a Zune. If anybody knows what a Zune is, <laughs> I bought a Zune and wasted my whole paycheck. And then I realized maybe that wasn't the best decision I wanted to do with my money. And all of a sudden, you know, I over the years kept learning about how to manage my money. At the same time, I was working that regular nine to five job but I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. And it was like you say, it just overbroke job. Like I can't, my, my income can only go so much every year. I mean, I think the most I've ever gotten an increase was like 5%. You know, I mean, you can't do a lot with an increase of 5%. You're keeping up with inflation just a little bit. So over the years, I kept trying to think of what it is that I want to do that I can help with other people in their, in their lives. And money happened to be something that I was very passionate about. So then I took it upon myself to start learning and growing into the idea of making it work. Now, here's the interesting thing about this is that 
in my process, what actually took me the longest to get over was the idea that I can make money helping other people save money. That was a big concept I had to over, over hurdle for the longest time. Now, figuring out how to use YouTube as the process. Now, you started using YouTube and it, money doesn't come in right away, but eventually you realized money's starting to come in. Now I can actually quit my job. I remember talking to you as you were quitting your job and the process and going up through it. So what was that switch that made, that made you think, I have enough money or I have the ability to provide for my family with my YouTube business? Uh, well, there was a couple different things. Um, you know, I once I started going through the process, it, it's a lot of work. Like you have to put in time and dedication into it. And for me, what I realized was that if, uh, if I kept putting in that time and dedication, I saw that there was potential for earning more. Now, here's a great thing. And this is not just a plug for you, but I got to meet you and talk to you. Uh, you gave me a book that I got to read, which was written by you about how to quit your job. And that's no plug. That was just me legitimately <laughs> learning about this stuff. And it gave me the confidence to understand that it is possible. And my parents also really encouraged me, which is very rare in this society for parents to be supportive of you quitting your job. But even they were just like, hey, you know what? If you're going to do it, you might as well take that leap of faith and, and go for it. And for me, I think that that moment of realization that, hey, this is a really big possibility was when I was putting in the effort and being intentional with what I was doing online. And that was to make it a business. That's awesome. Yeah. Turning something that is a side hustle into a business. That's a lot of work. Now, if I were to, if I wanted to start becoming, to become a YouTuber, if I wanted to teach, do, how do I figure out what I should teach? Like, how do I get started? Cause I mean, I could just get my phone and start recording myself, but how do I know what to teach? So this is the most important thing that I can tell anybody. Always do what you love to already do in your personal life and make that into a business. Like it sounds crazy, but there are people online that are making money talking about basket weaving or talking about like the most obscure things that you could ever think of, but they're the ones that are taking that action and making it a real a realization that they can make money off of it. And it's not because they want to just make money and not help anyone. Most people that have a passion for something want to help other people, whether it is personal finance, whether it is maybe you want to, you know, teach somebody how to skateboard. Like I know it sounds crazy, but that it can be a legitimate job where you teach people how to skateboard. You feel good about it because you're accomplishing something and doing something better for others and then making money from it. So like whatever you have a passion for, go for that. I would never go for something that just because somebody else is doing it and being successful in it that you should go for because I you will learn very quickly that you will not enjoy what you're doing if you don't have a passion for it to begin with. That makes sense. Now, let's say... I saw a kid who is now six years old and he's making like two and a half million dollars opening presents or opening, um, you know, oh, toys and stuff. Is that so? I, I want to do that. Is that something in I should the do? Billions. The billions. Oh my. I think they're like close to like a billion or something like that oh. in, in like revenue and everything. Granted, you know, after fees and yeah. taxes and all that. But. Yeah, I'll take I'll take half a billion. I yeah, mean. right. <laughs> yeah. So that that could be disheartening, right? For somebody to see, like, wow, how's this kid? Um, I think it's like Ryan's toy reviews or something like that, and they literally are making hundreds of millions of dollars for this kid opening stuff, right? And so it gets disheartening for some people. But I tell them all the time is like, if you are not happy with where you're at, what makes you the most happiest? And then share that passion with others because there's so many people out there. I guarantee you. 20 people around you don't care about what you love, but there are hundreds of maybe even thousands of people in this world that care about what you do. Go look on Facebook, go look on YouTube, go look on Instagram. There's groups of people that have that same passion as you do. And if you can take that and you know curate it into a video and put it online, 
you can start having a connection with people that is so much more than just the words on a on a blog post or just you know the voice on a podcast. You you have a connection with somebody eye to eye on video that will help them relate to you even more, and they will become followers of yours. And those followers end up being what helps you make money to be able to live your own life without having a job. Yeah, yeah, that job, that just overbroke job. We want to get out of that now. I I want to touch on subscribers and views and what is the main criteria that we want to look for in our business as we I mean we start recording something that we really love. We love teaching. Let's say say somebody loves cooking and they wanted to teach somebody how to cook and so they create a channel and they start cooking. I'm just throwing it off the top of my head. I'm not a, I don't cook. But if somebody said, "You know what? I'm going to start recording my recipes and everything that I'm doing." If they start doing that, how do they gauge if they are progressing what's the criteria the the way that youtube says hey this person's doing good yeah so i think for most people subscribers seems like it's going to be the thing that you can gauge the quickest and it's a it's a it's a vanity number that everybody can see right so whether you are on the back end with your statistics or you're somebody who's looking at that channel you can see subscribers but believe it or not subscribers are not actually what you should be going for so most people have the misconception that that's the most important thing when it's really not it's it's kind of should be in the back of your mind which is hard to do i understand that but what you should be caring about is how long are people watching your videos? How engaging are people in your videos, right? Are they leaving comments? Are they finding information that you are sharing with them that they can't find anywhere else? Are you presenting the information in a way that they can absorb it and actually appreciate it? You know, are they liking the videos? Those are the metrics that actually will dictate whether you are doing something in the right position or not. And if it's not, that's okay. You can always do something else, try a different medium. But I would say looking at how long people are watching your videos is a huge indication. If someone's watching 10% of your video, that's not so great. If someone's watching 40, 50, 60% of your video, you're catching people's attention. Because I think the ultimate goal for YouTube, what they want to do is they want to put the right content in front of the right person at the right time. Same thing with Google and how Google, because it's the same company, they want to make sure that they keep going. You as a consumer of videos, go back to YouTube again and again, because they put the right videos in front of you. So it seems like if you're giving good content, then that's way that's the way that people are going to want to continue watching. Is that right? Or is there another thing that we need to, is it like having the best lighting? Is is it's sound also like what is, what should we make sure that's in our videos to get the best people or sorry, to, to have people watching the longest? So here, here's one big important thing. And I've seen this happen plenty of times. And so to kind of answer the question, but kind of going off in a little bit as well, is that a lot of times people figure that they do need the best cameras. They do need the best microphones, the best lighting, all that stuff. That is actually the second most important thing. The most important thing you can do is find out how you can provide value to people. And that is what people care about the most. It is not the quality of the uh, of the video, it's the quality of the content that you're providing. So think about this. If you are somebody that wants to watch a video on how to tie a tie, right? When you watch that video, you need value coming from that content, right? If the person is just spewing out garbage and talking for 20 minutes but not showing you how to tie a tie, guess what? That video is not going to be recommended. Nobody's going to care about it. What they care about is the value that they are providing in that video content. So making sure you understand that, yes, there's a lot of metrics that you can get better at. There's a lot of equipment that you can get that can make your content better. But until you learn how to you know, provide the value in your videos, you're not going to go far. From there, once we realize, okay, we have good content, we have research because that's something you're going to have to make sure that you're providing. I would say personally, may or it seems like watching other videos that are getting a lot of likes, a lot of uh, you know people watching, it's ranking really well. Seeing what they're putting out is that something also that we should do? Is like see what other people are doing in our space and 
emulate it or figure out how we can make it better? So I'm going to give a really good golden tip here. So if somebody's listening at this point, like they're going to get some good information here. So for me, I would say one, always learning is important, right? You're not going to get better if you're not putting in the time and effort to get better. So for a lot of people, they'll start making a channel and like in three months, they're going to give up because they're not improving, but that's also because they're not improving themselves. So that's a big key. Now, following other people's behaviors and modifying, you know, to your style is really good. That's a really good feature to do, but... I would actually avoid trying to follow those bigger YouTubers, the ones that have 100,000, 2 million followers because they are doing things that the algorithm is, you know, the machine learning can, you know, differentiate between you and somebody else versus for smaller YouTubers, you should actually find other channels that are small that have a lot of views on videos and then implement imitate those videos Mm. you know not necessarily carbon copies you want to have your own style your own take on it but if you find a channel that has 2,000 subscribers but they have a 20,000 video viewed or 20,000 viewed video there's your golden nugget there but you can't go to a you know a 50,000 subscriber channel and find a 20,000 video 20,000 viewed video because it's not going to tell you a lot because all of a sudden they have a lot of subscribers that will go watch those videos but for 2,000 uh, 2,000 subscribers and 20,000 views they clearly had something of value to tell people. And regardless of how many subscribers that channel had, people still wanted to watch that video. Um, and I remember you mentioned something a little earlier about how you make money through YouTube. And one was affiliates. Yes. What's rather interesting is I put out one for Master Passive Income, my YouTube channel. I put out one video where I interviewed somebody from an affiliate. And I interviewed them. They walked us through the entire process. And it's been about a year and I got 10,000 views on it. And I get a lot of people signing up. It's like a 20% sign up rate from people that go in through through my link. And what's great was it was such good content. The person was delivering great, great content. But then I was making money from people clicking on the link that's in there and then going and using that service, which it doesn't cost them any extra. In fact, the service is free. Talk to us about finding the right affiliates for us in our YouTube niche or whatever the channel is geared after. Yeah, so uh, affiliates, I think, are really important when it comes to making money on YouTube because as much as it's great to earn money with ads, one, it takes a little while to get through the process of being able to make money with ads because there's some criteria that you have to hit. But with affiliates, you can start on day one with your very first video. So affiliates are much better process to go through and try to work with to be able to generate revenue. Now, there's a couple different networks that you can work with. And depending on your niche, what you want to do is find out services that one, you already use that you like and see if they offer those. That's first and foremost. And second, if you are looking at different opportunities to work with affiliates, you have to do the research and make sure that they align with your values before you recommend them. Because the last thing you want to do is sit there and recommend a product and you find out that they don't really align with what you believe in, whether it is in how something is processed, how something is ran, whatever the case may be, you want to make sure that your view and their view are one in the same. Because that's a reflection on you. Like say, hey, I went to this company, uh, Dennis or Dustin or whoever else said that this is a good company, but I actually didn't have a good experience. I'm not going to keep watching them. I don't trust them anymore. I know I wrote a book called How to Quit Your Job with Passive Income. And inside there, I had a a link to a course that I didn't actually take the course myself. It was like how how to do something online or something. I can't remember what it was. But um, it turned out that people didn't like that course and I should have checked it out first. I should—I literally just found one out of like the big affiliate companies and there was, okay, here's a course that I could actually promote and I did it and it actually hurt my reviews on Amazon for my book because people were saying, 
you know, this is just a scam to get us into courses that aren't good. And so I was like, oh, and so I literally pulled out all those right away. I, I just pulled everything out because I was like, man, this is really hurting my reputation. Yeah. So go from there to I want to take a quick step into audio because you see us like we're using an awesome microphone right now for YouTube. Is audio something that is is beneficial or crucial or what should we do with audio? It's like our, our iPhones. Are those good enough? So that's a great thing. So we mentioned earlier that the value that you provide in your videos is number one. And then after that, as weird as it might sound, audio is number two in the line. Before the video quality, before the lighting, people can deal with all that stuff being a little choppy. But audio is one really important thing that you need to get down as quickly as possible. Now, I'll admit too, I was not the best when it came to utilizing my audio. Like my original videos had terrible audio, there was bad sync up, there was all this stuff. But I learned over time that that was so important that I made it a priority. I didn't buy the most fanciest microphones. I bought basic microphones that did the job, that improved my quality tenfold. And then when I could, with the business income, I was able to reinvest and buy better quality audio. So for me, it's yes, audio is super important, but I would also say don't go sitting there saying I have to buy a $500 microphone to start my channel. I wouldn't do that. Have a proof of concept, right? Start small. You can buy a $20 lapel mic and then move on from there. That's great. I know whenever I watch a YouTube video and the audio is bad, it's really quick and easy for me to turn it off. Like I just like, I don't care what the content is. That's how I get to be. Other people might be different, but yeah, I find that for, for me, the YouTube audio, I try to make it as... I want them to not have any distractions. I don't want them to just be distracted. Like, oh, this audio was a distraction or the video, the quality, the background's a distraction. I don't want them to have distractions. I want them just to digest the content. So now what should we do to grow? Let's say, okay, we went to YouTube. We actually, you know, click, you know, create a channel. We started creating a channel and we have made three or four videos and it's of, it's about cooking or whatever we want to do. What do we, do we need a schedule for putting out um, good, um, videos that are in like is there going to be a schedule that's like once a week or do we have to have a series of things like what is the plan to putting out new videos all right so as far as all of that like you're kind of mentioning a couple of really good key points there um here's one really important thing that a lot of people don't realize is that we all expect to grow really quickly and that's actually not a good thing so I know for a lot of people, they sit there and they want to have, you know, a thousand subscribers, 20,000, but I would venture to guess that their quality of content is not going to be on par with having that many subscribers. So for me, having a consistency is first and foremost, really important at the beginning, later down the road, you can change it up, but having a, a consistency at the beginning is important because that's going to build up your, your skill set when it comes to producing the content, editing the content, post-production. There's a lot of hats that you wear as a content creator that most people don't, don't pay attention to. So what I would say is your first 100 videos are going to be your first 100 worst videos. Because you're not going to be there yet. You're not going to be the best. I guarantee you that if you watch most YouTubers, most content creators, even podcasters, even bloggers, if you go watch or read their old articles, listen to their old podcast, their content has improved over time because they've mastered the craft and they've tweaked and, you know, tinkered with everything that they're doing as they kept doing it. When you make a hundred videos, I guarantee you two things are going to happen. One, your quality is going to improve immensely over time. And then the second thing is you're going to find growth er during that time without even having to try that hard. There's a lot of li little tips and tools that you can do to try to increase your views. But the first and foremost thing is getting your message across properly and how you voice your message in your videos. Because day one, you're not going to be great. Day five, you're not going to be great. Day 100, you're going to be better.
So make sure that you're consistent in producing quality content over time by practicing with your first 100 videos. That's great, 100 videos, man. Yes. Ooh, that's a and lot of videos. It sounds like a lot, but I promise you at, the, at, at a point when you wanna grow, 100 videos is gonna seem like nothing and you're gonna be shocked at where you were and where you are. And I love the idea of growing as, because you don't. it doesn't have to be perfect. No. When you first get started, the videos that you put out when you first start are not gonna be perfect. And even when your 100th video is not gonna be perfect. It's never gonna be perfect, but you just get better and better, like you said. So should we put out videos eight times a week, one time a week? What, what are your thoughts about the the actual quantity of videos. Yeah, you don't want to also burn yourself out, right? So if you did a, if you did eight videos a week, I guarantee you're going to burn out very quickly. I would do two videos to start off with a week because again, you're going to be practicing. You're going to try to get better. I think if you over um, work yourself in trying to do even three to five videos in a week, you're going to start diminishing your quality in those original videos that you're trying to make to begin with. So starting with two, maybe even three every once in a while, every single week is going to really help the algorithm and also your skill set. Mm, got it. So from there, we're starting to produce content. Let's just say we want to do two a week. I want to look at the videos that I, I like looking at ones that have like nice graphics and nice animations and, and some different scenes. But is that something that we need to do? Can we just have like, they, call, they I guess they call it being a talking head. It's just your face in the camera talking. Is it is that huge? Is that a big deal? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Every person is going to be different. And so here's my thing. I'm a talking head for the most part in my uh, financial videos. And then there's other financial YouTubers that do a lot more in their videos. There's some that are vlogging and walking around. I'm not about that lifestyle. So like for me, I do what works best for me. And if somebody gets a little bit of a better growth, you know, trajectory because they are doing a little bit more in their videos. I'm okay with that because my quality and my consistency helps me keep focus on where I'm trying to go with the content. And I my, my main goal is to produce value in the sense of how they can improve their finances more so than the cool little graphics and entertainment pieces that get along with some of these videos. Not that they're bad, it's just not my forte. And I've learned from my audience that they really don't care about that stuff because the YouTube analytics will actually give you really good insight over time. Once you start building a lot of these videos, you're gonna start having all these data points that you can really point to and figure out, okay, yeah, if I put graphics in, my video length stays about the same as far as how long people are watching. So why put on that extra effort if it's not being resulted in higher watch time? If it increases your watch time by 10, 20%, then all of a sudden, yes, maybe you should be doing that because that's a huge increase. But if it stays the same, do what works best for your audience with less work. That is, it, it is absolutely a lot of work to put in yeah. all these graphics and um, doing a lot of edits and cuts and stuff like that. But it's actually, you know, it's it's nice to watch. But at the same time, I don't find it to be completely necessary. In fact, like I said, the one affiliate that has 10,000 views um, that I get lots of revenue from, it's just me and the guy in front of a camera just talking one-on-one -on -one like uh, through Zoom. So um, it, for everybody watching this on YouTube, we're literally sitting in Dennis's um, YouTube space. And so this background with the, the shelf back here and this water water feature back here, I don't know if you can see it in the video. Yeah. Um, so that is, this is his setup. And I am actually envious because I'm doing a little bit of YouTube stuff. Um, obviously all these videos are put on YouTube. All the interviews that we do are put on YouTube. But in doing that, um, you you kind of get to, to see that YouTube is it's a, there's a well wide variety of different people that do different things on YouTube. Some of like you said, are just using your camera where you're getting your own, like your, your, your phone and you're just walking around taking a video of yourself. Now, if we were to say, 
I want to now get started and become really serious. I'm getting into the 100 um, episodes or 100 channel uh, uh, videos. I'm going to 100. How do we now scale it? Is it just keep pumping out more content or is there anything else we can do? So I would say once you get past the 100 videos, all of a sudden what's really going to start becoming important to you is really fine-tuning your craft, right? You start learning your voice, where you're going. Now it's all about, you know, where can I make the opportunities for me to bring in income? And then how do I scale the business to be something more sustainable? So that's where I kind of well over a hundred videos, I started looking in the opportunities of affiliate marketing, of you know increasing my ad revenue and working with sponsorships. Because I think if you try to look for those, if you try to look for sponsorships early on, I think you're going to fail, right? Because you you haven't qual you haven't built up your quality on the content yet. So for me, I would say really start focusing in on now the ability to really bring in that value and what people are looking for day in and day out in the content on YouTube. So for me personally, I go on Google Trends. I look at what people are searching for when it comes to personal finance. If you're a cook, look at what people are looking for in the cooking industry. Um, you know, same thing with like if somebody loves you know sewing. What what are people looking for in the sewing? world uh, right now and start working towards that and start learning how to start SEOing on on YouTube because that's a thing too. Most people don't pay attention and realize that SEO, search engine optimization, needs to be there as well. You need to have keywords. You need to know what people are looking for. And then you also need to get better at titling your videos because titles are very important. And then thumbnails. People sometimes don't care. They, they second think thumbnails when thumbnails are actually the the entrance to your videos so people leave them on the wayside so by 100 videos your next goal is to really start figuring out how to get better thumbnails and better titles so it sounds like there's a lot to do thumbnails titles um video editing audio making sure we're doing that can we do this on our own do we have to hire somebody doing this? uh yeah you're wearing a lot of hats so it's it, it's a lot of work and you're you feel like you sometimes don't have the best quality in every area which you won't um but uh, for most youtubers i think you can really start off on your own i think you can really take it upon yourself to do all these things it's not that much work if you learned how to preset things for yourself. So for thumbnails, as an example, there's templates that you can have set up. So when you put your photos in there, there's things that are already kind of in place. Same thing with presets on video editing. You can have certain things in place. If you're already going to have like a title pop up or you're going to have an end screen or whatever the case may be, you can have those things ready to go to make it easier for you. Um, and then as you continue to do editing, as you continue to do thumbnails, you get better at those things. So the timing that it takes to make those shrinks significantly over time. So I wouldn't say you would want somebody to be doing that stuff for you because the cost of that is definitely not going to be a great ROI at the beginning stages. Maybe down the road, I would encourage that if you want to really scale up the business, but at the beginning, it should be you. Got it. Now there's so many great soft, lots and lots of great software out there. What are some software that we should use? Let's say we're using Windows and we we want to start editing videos and stuff like that. Should we just use our phone or what? What sub software you should we should use? So depending on where you are financially, because this makes a big factor, right? If you are in a position where you don't have a lot of money. There's a, a couple different free options for you to be able to go through the process. There's like Windows Editor on Apple. There's like iMovies. You can utilize those if you have to, like if that's your bare minimum. But if you are wanting to take this serious, you can start investing in this business a little bit. You can start using things like Adobe Premiere Pro. So that's going to be a fantastic software. You can start using Photoshop. That's going to be fantastic. But there are free options as well, like Canva.com, to be able to go through and edit your thumbnails without having to pay for it. So there, there's free options. But of course, if you want the higher quality, you do have to pay for that as well. Now, as far as software to utilize on SEO, there's a thing called TubeBuddy. 
which is a fantastic software to be able to do a lot of SEO work, see what people are looking for and searching for. Um, with this, we can actually put a link in the description box um, so that way people can go through and check it out. It's um, it's a great way to be able to see what people are looking for and actually be able to curate your content based off of those searches. Because as a small channel, it's much easier to get into what they call the search results rather than being on somebody's homepage. So if you find out with TubeBuddy what people are searching for and you make those videos, you are more likely to be found easily and grow your channel that way. So yeah, we'll put all these links inside the description, inside the show notes page as well. Now I wanna quickly talk about YouTube ads. If I'm not paying YouTube to skip past ads, if well, because I don't, I'm really frugal. We're both really frugal, which is probably why we get along so well. Um, as I'm watching a YouTube video and I'm not paying to get rid of the ads, as soon as an ad pops up, I'm like, okay, next video. I go back and try to find a video that doesn't have ads. What are your thoughts about ads? Does that hurt you? Does it help you? No, I mean, I think ads are an important uh, piece to the YouTube puzzle. Um, I think if you have ads in front of your videos, I don't think that hurts you for the most part. I think people are getting more used to the idea of ads always being in front of videos. And, uh, you know, there's no for sure, you know, method on this, but I, we definitely believe for a lot of YouTubers that once you become monetized, that your videos sometimes get more priority because that helps YouTube earn an income, which makes sense. They're a business as well as they, as they well deserve to have an income to be able to keep the platform running smoothly. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's, it's free content that people get to watch and then the ads in front of them help you produce more content down the road because that income you can reinvest into the business and yourself. Oh, I don't get I don't doubt that. I completely get it that um, as a YouTuber, as this is your business, I completely get all that. So I'm looking at at this as a consumer standpoint and I'm looking I'm going to watch a 5-minute video and I'm going to like that's the content I'm going to consume for is a 5-minute video, but the ad is a minute and a half, 2 minutes long. It's like half the length of the actual video. I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is nuts like every single one is an ad so talk to me a little bit about the strategy of um can you pick ads can you not pick ads can you make sure some get in front of you or some are shorter some are longer so as of right now no but uh there is actually some uh features coming down the road where you will be able to actually auction off certain ads for different companies based off of what you would prefer but as of right now it is just all based off of what type of content you make and what uh, youtube will target for you so the nice thing is with youtube is they're not going to put you know skateboarding ads in front of somebody who does, you know, basket weaving stuff because it doesn't make any sense. But for if you're a basket weaving, you know, channel, they're going to put, you know, maybe a Joann's or a Michael's ad in front of your videos. So the, the ads will curate towards the people that are wanting to watch your content anyways. So they won't feel as bombarded with ads. And I think they've done a great job because I know for my channel, I've had plenty of people, um, realize that the ads in front of my videos are investing or, you know, banks that they can put their money into and save, which is sometimes the videos that I'm producing anyways, uh, which makes it really funny. But I think, I think YouTube does a good job of making sure that it's curated towards that. So I don't worry about putting ads in front of my videos. And even if I have a long enough video, I can even put ads in the middle of the video too. Oh, that's right. I remember I have seen ads in the middle of videos. So at what point or how long were you since you started True Financials? your channel to where you finally quit your job. How long did that take? So I started my channel in May of 2017 and then I was able to leave my job in April of 2019. So oh it's, my goodness. yeah, it's, it, it didn't take as long as I thought it would. Um, it did take a lot more work than I thought it did. And that's for sure. So I, I would say for me, um, it, it took, you know, a little over almost a year, like, oh, sorry, almost two years uh, to be able to make that happen. But um, if I didn't put in the amount of work I did, I don't think I'd be where I was. Today. Well, imagine this. 
everybody listening to this and watching this on YouTube, in two years, if you got started just like Dennis did, in two years from now, you can literally not work a job and live just over broke or you can continue working that and have your side your your youtube channel and you could be making money there so you can have a better life by traveling or doing whatever you want or just not worry about bills no time in the history of the world has been so easy to quit your job and that's why i wanted to create successfully unemployed is there there's so many ways to quit your job i mean i have a friend that has a taco truck and he stopped working because he has a taco truck and there's so many different ways especially something like youtube if you started and in two years can quit your job now i will say dennis is absolutely very frugal as well as he's very smart with his money. On top of that, his wife is fantastic too. So all that combined, he was able to, but his the money that he brings in from YouTube is just amazing. You do the work once and you get paid over and over again. I just absolutely love that. Now, talk to us a little about scaling the business. Now, we've already created 100 videos. We're not growing as fast as we want. Let's say we have maybe 2,000 or 2,500 people or subscribers and we wanna get better what should we do to scale the business to where we can get, you know, 20, 30,000 subscribers and bring in substantial revenue? Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a great thing. I think if you're in like that 2,500 marker at that point, after making a hundred videos, your next goal is to figure out maybe it's time for you to improve yourself, whether that is getting coaching, whether that is uh, paying for courses that teach you how to do better on YouTube, because there's nothing shameful of saying I've been doing this for a while and I still can get better. And that's the big thing for a lot of people. I, like you said, I'm very frugal. So instead of paying for courses, I will just watch a bunch of YouTube videos and also dissect a lot of YouTube videos as well too. So I'll, I'll kind of uh, reverse engineer those content pieces so I can realize what is it that they're doing that's making it successful for them. So for me, I don't grow very fast personally as a, as a channel in comparison to some other YouTubers, but I my growth doesn't dictate my ability to bring in income. So for me, the YouTube subscriber count, like we talked about earlier, doesn't really make a big factor in how much money I'm making. It's the amount of views that I'm getting that I care about because the views are what it helps dictate people going in, clicking the affiliate links, watching the ads. So I care about, am I bringing in more views than I did last month? Not necessarily, am I bringing in more subscribers? So for me... I would say if you're around 2,500, as great as it is to care about getting subscribers at that point, I wouldn't worry as much. I think once you get past 1,000, you become somewhat solidified in the YouTube world because that's a really hard number to hit. And once you do that, uh, your growth will kind of happen naturally because people will see that, oh, he has 1,000 subscribers. She has you know 10,000 subscribers and it'll just build over time. So at that point, I would start focusing in on the views. Am I getting more views? Because believe it or not, most channels about 70% of their views come from non-subscribers. So people who did not subscribe to the channel are watching that piece of content. So if that if you realize that it's not about your subscribers, it's about the views that you're getting, then you can really succeed because those views are what's gonna help you get clicks on your affiliates, on those ads, on the sponsorships to bring in that revenue. And to increase your income from that is just paying attention to the views. So I wanna talk to, we're getting closer to the, wrapping it up, but. Me having my Master Passive Income YouTube channel, a couple questions come to mind because you're an expert. I have all my podcasts not in video form. It's literally audio and I put a screenshot and I just have the audio playing with the picture that's just a static image. Is that bad? And should I delete all those or should I just keep them up there? Um, I mean, you can keep them up there, but unfortunately podcasts just in a static form don't really do very well on YouTube as you probably found out. Um, I've seen some people take it where they have like the little audio wave looking thing kind of on there to keep people like somewhat entertained. Uh, but I think for most people, 
on YouTube, they go onto the platform to watch video, right? Like something like this, they can actually see if they're listening to this on the podcast, it'll still work for them just fine. But on YouTube, they generally will go on there because they want to see something. They want to they want to connect eyes with a person because that will really help them connect to the story that the person's trying to tell. So should I leave them there or does that hurt me? And in YouTube's eyes, somebody finds a video, oh, it's just a screenshot or, you know, that's just a static image. And then they pull out. Does that hurt me? Should I delete them? Long term, it will hurt you. I would leave them there until you start building up a bigger portfolio of content and then slowly start removing those old ones. Got it. That's great. Because I do get people that uh, I didn't put a lot of videos out, but it was still my podcast. And I had people engaging and, and commenting and saying, hey, I love the content because it's it's out there. So I was thinking, hey, at least it's getting out there. But the next question um, for, for me, Ed, just see as a coaching, I have like 500 or 600 people that are subscribers now. Is the next step to then use YouTube or uh, TubeBuddy? to make the make sure I, f- I focus on SEO and then just keep putting out content, keep putting out videos. So I think I'm probably at like 35 videos, so I need to get that 100 mark. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so yeah, TubeBuddy would give you that opportunity to figure out what it is your audience members are searching for, and so you can curate your content towards that. Because if you, like I mentioned earlier, if you work on your search optimization, people will find you through search, which is gonna be the most likelihood of somebody finding who you are on YouTube because there's... I think they said over 400 hours being uploaded every minute on YouTube. So the the amount of chances your video content is going to be popping up on somebody's homepage for no reason is minuscule. When they search for something, you can be there very easily if you know what they're looking for. I love doing search engine optimization for my site. For Master Passive Income, people that find me through search engine optimization, SEO, they are so much more likely to want what I'm offering. And so if I can, I guess, gear my YouTube videos as well, which I need to start doing, I need to start gearing my YouTube videos for search engine optimization. All right, Dennis, so you've given us so much great insight, so much great content on how to do the YouTube channel. I want to jump into the rapid fire round. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. So the rapid fire round, you should be able to answer these questions. The main thing about the rapid fire round is that we get to know you better. So if we were to look at your life, you've quit your job, you hopefully have a little more time to give back. You have you don't have the 40 plus hours a week working a job. How are you giving to help the people and everybody around you be better? Yeah, so uh, my wife and I love to donate blood and it made it really tough when I was working a 40 hour job, doing YouTube for 40, 60 hours a week and then helping my wife with her business. And nowadays I actually have more opportunity to go donate. Obviously you can only donate so many times uh, at once, but like I can actually go and do that more often, which is really important to me. Um, I love helping in that that regard. And then also too, I feel that I have more opportunity to help people without the need to have to bring in money. And so I've done some coachings before um, where instead of having to charge somebody, I actually can do it for free at no cost because I know that if they love the the value that I give them, they'll follow along with the journey that I'm on. And I've given them the opportunity to really want to focus in on their finances. So for me, giving back is really just continuing to do what I do without having the need of like charging somebody for like a 20, 30 minute conversation and they can really get some great value out of it. And for me, I want to continue to do that at larger scales, but it's only possible if I continue to do what I'm doing. That makes perfect sense. I'm glad you see that. And next question is, if you were to go give somebody a, a quick, um, a quick, succinct lesson on how to get started in YouTubing, one, two, three, four, five, like what are the steps they should do? Um, get started, be consistent, don't give up, be consistent and don't give up. That's it. That's all you got to do. Everything else will come into fruition if you make it happen. Because if you don't get started, you will never get to the to the next point that you need to get to. And then be consistent. And then Absolutely. Be consistent. I love that. Now, next question. 
what is one piece of advice you'd give your 13-year-old self? It could be business. It could be anything at all. Stop playing so many video games. <laughs> like, I, I, oh man, if I can go back in time, I'd just pick up that controller, throw it on the ground, and be like, get started now. As much as I loved playing games back then, nowadays, I think business to me is a game, and I just want to keep on winning. So for me, if I got started at 13, I can only imagine where I'd be at this point in my life. It's so incredible. Everybody listening to this, if you're 13 years old, or if you have a 13-year-old, I would absolutely encourage them as well to, you can, in two or three, four or five years, have a YouTube channel that is really doing well. Yeah. So oh, Yeah, amazing. this is a game to me. So like, I know a lot of other gamers would actually understand like looking at analytics, building up a, a subscribers, like building, leveling up kind of thing. So I, I think, yeah, if somebody has a younger, you know, child or, a, you know, even a sibling that's younger that they can get started, encourage them man. like make it into something that is fun and like they would really get into it. I love that. Awesome. So next question. What is one tool, one app, it could be a journal, anything that you think that we should use in our lives to make our lives better? Uh, I personally love using my calendar. Um, I plug in anything like this interview and things that I'm doing in my life so that way I can kind of curate things and where I have to be and what I want to do. And I think it also forces me to want to do more because when I don't have anything planned, as much as I love working, sometimes I can be a little lazy and I'm not going to lie. But when I have plans in place and I know I got to be somewhere on a Saturday afternoon, I'm going to be there because it's in my calendar. That's awesome. Next, or last question is, what is one nonfiction book that you would recommend for all of us to read? It could be business, life, whatever. Jeez, I read a lot of nonfiction more than anything else. Um, So for me, I recently read a book called Profit First. And it was a very inspiring book because it kind of solidified already what I was doing in my personal finances without knowing that that was a good method to go with. And for me, I'm also implementing that in my business as well as uh, fine-tuning my personal finances, which as a personal finance person, I'm always still learning on how to better my finances as well too because you're never at the top of your game. And so that book really taught me a lot of great stuff. So if you're either in business and or I think even personal can really go into it. But obviously, we're talking about creating your own business. I think the Profit First is a fantastic book to get started with. Love it, love it, love it. Now, Dennis, again, you've given us so much great insights and wisdom. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, find you, watch your YouTube channel, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm on YouTube. Um, If you just type in True Financials, T-R-U Financials, you will find me. I have my smug face on there. Um, You can chat with me in the comments. If you want to get a hold of me, it's um, you can just email me at truefinancials at gmail.com. I love answering questions, getting on calls with people, even if it's just for 10, 20 minutes, just to get them started in understanding. I've helped people with their uh, businesses as well, too. So If that's the case, I'm more than happy to help out with any value I can give people. And I would absolutely attest to Dennis is very much a giver. He just wants to help. He just wants to be there. In fact, when we first met, he's like, hey, I just want to help you out with your YouTube channel. He probably was thinking it's it's horrible, so we need help. But no, that, I'm just joking. I was adding that in there. But um, he's very, very helpful. So I'm, Dennis, so glad that you've been on the show. Thank you very much for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded, teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses, group coaching with me, and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources, and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L 
833-733-7777 so you can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B, by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successfully unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. See ya.